and that was the beep of your uh, <laughs> what is it fire alarm that smoke alarm smoke alarm that's still. I'm just saying to you, we got some from Wilco, and they were like a fiver each. And you, they just have batteries, you don't have to wire them in. And they've even got sticky tape on, so you don't even have to drill them in if you don't Right, want. okay. So rather than jeopardise your family's... No, it works, because I keep resetting it, you know what I mean? It's just, but then it just goes off again. It just beeps every 25 but things seconds. Are, <clears throat> I just, it's like that, like I say, it's the Homer Simpson, everything is okay alarm. As long yeah. as every, this alarm will beep every three seconds as long as everything is okay. Imagine like three o'clock in the morning, it doesn't beep once and you all just wake up. <laughs> that, that's the plan. That's the thing, it's like you stop hearing it. You know, like you stop seeing mess sometimes. Like if yes. a box has just been there for so long that you stop seeing it, it's a bit like that for me. But it's only when people come around, like, well, does that not drive you mad? And I was like, I don't... Well, it didn't bother me if we weren't recording. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I saw something really interesting that made me laugh out loud and nearly crash the car driving to Bolton. Bolton is twinned yeah. with Le Mans. It is, yeah. Yeah, I saw it driving in, it went... but. So if you're really young, you might never really have heard of a twin town. Was it kind of an 80s thing, or was think, it even think, before that? I think possibly before that, but they still you know, they still have twin towns when yeah. you sort of drive through them. Like Fleetwood, for example, is twinned with Fleetwood, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or some, I think it's an American state anyway, it might not be Pennsylvania. But. It feels a bit like Penpal. You know, like Penpals, which... Well, we used to get Penpals when I was at school with people from the Twin Towns because right, there's, yeah. there's Le Mans and there's also Paderborn in Germany right, that's okay. twinned with and yeah and used to sort of like and I remember writing to someone in Le Mans and never wrote back do you like Greg's? <laughs> exactly. do you like a sausage roll from Greg's? Do you... I see I know that you've, you're in that way that you sort of try and make links like I know you've got a 24 hour car race or yes. we've got 24 hour garages <laughs> you know like that so. <laughs> it just feels so because pen pals if you don't know what pen pals were uh, that was basically early Tinder, wasn't it? It was like <laughs> it was so. Uh, it was like the test ver test match version of Tinder, was. wasn't it? You know, like you had to do it over a number of years. Yeah, you know. you'd write to someone and say, "Oh, I like the sound of Copenhagen." <laughs> <laughs> Where was it? Oh, Morris, the Smiths sang about a book to go from Luxembourg, didn't they? That mm. was like a pen pal relationship. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know, it just feels like, you know, like how there's all government schemes, it's surely a government scheme, I wonder if it's a worldwide scheme, like twinning times, and it yeah. feels like really, on the one hand, naff and pointless, because what has Le Mans got in common with Bolton, apart from your 24-hour <laughs> garage? Yeah, yeah I, I spent a lot of time thinking about it, that was the only thing I could think of. But then... It's kind of also a little bit sweet and nice because I was, I was just laughing that it was Le Mans because of, yeah. of Bolton. Because it, it sounds like, yeah, when you can go to Le Mans like, for the race and you see twinned with Bolton. Well, like, oh, <laughs> wonder what that place is that. like. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Newman in the 60s. <laughs> yeah. He's there just going, ah, here, I must go to Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, it's, it's sort of a nice idea in it you know when you compare it to modern schemes like hs2 and all that oh, stuff that yeah, yeah. cost 900 billion quid and this is just like oh let's just have a sign yeah that says we like such a body and it, it was like when i was at school they had like a cultural exchange type thing you know like exchange visits yeah, to schools yeah um, with the french team they do that in the in-betweeners yeah yeah and they and they had but we used to do in, in fifth year we used to go on a trip to europe 
Yeah. Like to so, so like each you'd be like you'd be a group of maybe like a minibus's worth of kids. Yeah. They'd go to different sort of like European cities with you know with a teacher obviously, and then do things there. So, and Paderborn was one of the places. And then we went to Le Mans. I think it's a bit of a dump, Le Mans. Maybe it's like an industrial city. I think. Do you reckon? I think so. <laughs> well, we, we never went there as part of the trip. Unlike glory. Unlike Bolton. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. But um, so yeah, Paderborn because Paderborn's like a lovely sort of, you know chocolate box type German town I think you know it's one of those places that looks, looks like Disneyland you know what I mean but um, yeah so like we used to do that and that, that was a good thing though about you know all the ideas back then seemed to be about integration and bringing yeah. people together rather than everyone going let's redo nationalism you well, know well I don't know the in-betweeners got it right because you get a lot of stuff right don't they from that era I remember the French lads that came over who were all smoking and just like really like seemed impossibly grown up and all had long hair and terrible fashion like they were wearing stonewashed denim and baseball boots and yeah, like yeah. god you're about six years behind but all the girls just loved them and got off with them instantly which is exactly what happens in the in-between <laughs> you know, yeah. I've been doing that groundwork for 12 months <laughs> and you just stormed in uh, my, I was just looking at Oldham which this is Oldham a bit more realistic with. Oldham uh, since 1961 Oldham has been twinned with Crange in Slovenia. <laughs> Crange. <laughs> that sounds like a slang word. Even, even when you'd normally like get in a twin town, you'd try and get somewhere. They've just gone. Let's keep it ultra realistic. <laughs> Is it somewhere that's named after a Slovenian fanny? Yes. <laughs> let's, let's name ourselves. How do you spell that Crange? K R K R A N G A. So, right, here's, here's an idea for a podcast that we could do. We could, it would cost a lot of money, but we go travelling around from twin town to twin town. So we start off from Stockport. No, we, we start off in Bolton, go to Le Mans. Yeah, yeah, and then see where else Le Mans is twin with and go back there. Back to Bolton. Yeah, back to Bolton, then back to Paderborn. Back to Le Mans. <laughs> but, so, for example... Right, Stockport is twinned with Heilbronn, but Heilbronn is twinned with a lot more places than Stock just Stockport. So you could go there, and then you could go to Frankfurt. Right, okay. And then you could go from Frankfurt to somewhere else, and then you go from there, yeah. How's that know. for It's not holding my interest now. Is it not? No. <laughs> That'd be good. So, do you know what the natural light there was, uh, Fanny? <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> but I we, got carried away. Instead, we... We just carried it on until failure. Oh, um, right, yeah. what we're talking about today. So, I wonder if we're done already. Oh, I can't see this stupid timer. So, we had a message. So, last episode, we finished off your two-part series that was a three-part yeah. series about manslaughter. Yeah. Um, starting with Hayam ending up with Wooling. We had a message from Emily who's asking you a question. We're going to make it a feature, but we only had one reply it was a good one it was from Gwilsfield who often gets in touch and uh, they were saying will we do an episode on the Bill of Rights um, yes we will um, not today but <laughs> well no because we haven't prepared it and I've only just told you when yeah, I yeah exactly but also as that's going to be a bigger news story in the next few weeks stroke months and potentially Liz Truss will be in charge. It's, it's going it's to, it's, yeah, that's going <laughs> to crop up again and again, yeah. I feel, I feel and fear, um, in, the, in the coming months and probably a couple of years, yeah. really, whatever's left of this 
government. Um, yeah, that's going to be a thing that we will do more than one episode about that. I would imagine because they'll they'll start messing about with things around it as well. You know. Yeah. So yeah, so we will do that. So we will do that. But today, because um, there was a news story yesterday that I was driving to my gig and I heard, and it real because often news is just so terrible that you just kind of like, oh, it doesn't really hit you anymore. Do you know what I mean? You just kind of yeah. Um, and I was driving to the gig. It really depressed me. This news story. It's like a very sad story and you said we should do a special on that because it's manslaughter related yeah so what so so it, it's the case um like you say it's, it's a it's a really recent case isn't it? i think the sentencing was yesterday yeah yesterday uh, in, in manchester um and it's um so the, the case is the crown and graham mansfield he was right the guy so this is the chap um it's from it's so it's a manchester it's a local case yeah. Um, and he's, uh, yeah, so he was convicted of, of manslaughter after killing his wife. So he was tried for murder. Yeah. And convicted of manslaughter and his sentencing was yesterday. Um, so that's why it was in the news yesterday. I think he got a two year suspended. He got a two year suspended, suspended sentence. Yeah. So uh, a very, very light sentence for, for the offence. But it's got some interesting factors to it, this, because um, obviously, say he was tried for murder, then was, was convicted of, of manslaughter. Um, under Section 4 of the Homicide Act of 1957. Um, so what we'll do, we'll go through the facts, like the background as to what he did. Because when you, when, you, when you consider the facts of it, it sounds really, you know, that there's a lot of, a lot of the factors that are actually mitigating factors in this sentencing would be aggravating factors in most offences. Yeah. So it's interesting that it's like turned it on its head. Um, so that's why I thought we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, it sounded really interesting and really moving just on the radio. Yeah, yeah. So, so what what do you know of it? Can, do so, you... I, basically, do you want me to give you the facts that I know? The, yeah, yeah. And so, then... what's it called? Graham. Graham. Yeah. So his wife was. His termin... wife is Diane. His wife Diane is terminally ill. Was yeah. she? They're quite old, aren't they? They're in the sixties. Seventy. So Se... she was seventy-one. Right. And he, at the time, was seventy-two. So the right. Yeah. So they've been married a long time, and they're very much in love. Yeah. Um. And she's terminally ill and she's really declining. I can't remember if she had MS or she had some really debilitating disease. She, she had cancer is what it was. Right, so she'd been okay. diagnosed with um, bladder cancer. So it says, oh, so, just, so just the background, yeah. So yeah. She, she'd had cancer previously. So in 1999, she'd had um, bladder cancer and that became a secondary tumour which required removal of the kidney. And a urethra, so that, obviously that's going to have some impact on our yeah. health going forward. And that's twenty years ago as well. Yeah, and then in twenty twenty, um, there was a secondary malignant cancer of the of the lung, right. consequent upon the earlier cancer of the bladder. So it's like been in a system for like twenty years, and has then progressed into, into yeah. some sort of like lung cancer. So she's she's in long term ill health. Yeah, and suddenly got yeah. worse. She's got I mean? really bad, and I think I heard also that. She only had a few weeks to live, possibly five. I can't remember if I heard that or if that's from something else I read alongside it. Um, and uh, essentially, Graham uh, and Diane entered into a suicide pact where yeah. he said to her, she said to him, look, I can't take this pain anymore. And he said, I can't see you like this and I don't want to live without you. I will, I will ease your pain. I will kill you. Yeah. Um, I will then take an overdose and I'll die as well. Yeah. And apparently his overdose attempt failed. He woke up in the morning um, 
and then phoned 999 immediately and told them exactly what had happened. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much yeah. it. There's, there's, a few, there's a few details in there that we'll come on to because they're relevant to the sentencing. Um, so, um, yeah, so she was, she was re-diagnosed in 2020, as I say, mm. of, of cancer, and she had some chemotherapy which appeared to be working. And I'm taking this, should point out, directly from the um, sentencing remarks um, of the judge in the case, which was, who was, just bear with me, and this has been reported in the Manchester Evening News, so that's, it's a really good thing that they've done this, the Manchester Evening News, I should point out, and give them the credit for um, effectively putting out the full sentencing remarks of yeah. Mr Justice Goose, um, which is a great name oh, for it, the Justice Goose, <laughs> um, but it's, it's good. Oh, my God. So... Um, <laughs> But it's a it, it's it's a good thing that they've done this because what happens often when you get like a fairly interesting from the public's point of view case, yeah. especially when the sentence appears, and mm, that's strange, is that you don't get the full sentencing remarks often. No, early enough before everyone on social media and in the pub has had their say based on half the information being available or, or less than half the information being available, and basically no understanding as to how courts come to decisions like this. So the fact that the Manchester Evening News have gone to the trouble to have sent the reporter there to effectively verbatim get you know write down what the judge said and then report that in full in the paper should be commended. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if for no other reason, it makes my job a lot easier in terms of doing this yes. as well. But it's it's good it's good that information is there. That I sentencing remarks should be published as soon as possible. And you hear this a lot from my legal mm. Twitter. You know what I mean? They they're often of the of the same view because people you know like I said, get the wrong end of the stick and then was it, there's a line from, is it they're in the rolls? Where he says they got the wrong end of the stick and then proceeded to beat about the bush with it. You know, <laughs> it's, um, it's, you know that, that's what happens. So I think it's good that it's actually all there so you can see what's, what's yeah. going on. And, it, and, it, and it, what we're all about is demystifying the law and that does that to a much greater extent than, than yeah. is possible otherwise. Although they don't wear recording devices into court, do they? So he would have had to shorthand it. Yeah, yeah, Which, exactly. you know, if you want to make it easier... Make it easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There, yeah, there is that, and there's an argument there. I mean, well, probably not to ha not for us to discuss now about recording of things in mm. court and how, in you know, in this day and age, maybe it would be useful in some circumstances. And I know there's moves towards recording certainly sentencing remarks for that reason. Yeah, is is, is certainly there. And you, they could totally the control that anyway with yeah, their yeah. own device. Yeah, and their own who gets to. Well, if it's, if it's a course of record, it is recorded anyway. So it's yeah. like it's 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 yeah. It, there's a there's a tape there recording what's being said, so that you can go back and find out. Um, but yeah, so uh, so anyway, back back to the case itself though is that so she was getting chemotherapy that appeared to be achieving some success, but um, in truth it was not, according to Ju Mr. Justice Goose, because by February twenty two and one she developed a further cancer in the neck. Mm. So obviously it's not it's not a good state of affairs no um she was losing weight had difficulty swallowing and could not sleep the medical medical prognosis was obvious to you both that her life expectancy was very short and there's there was so there was professional evidence as well from uh, professor sikora that by the 23rd of march her life expectancy was between one and four weeks right oh it was right yeah. yeah um now apparently when she was diagnosed in october 2020 so that was march 2021 so march last year <clears throat> And um, after the diagnosis in October 2020, um, they'd made an agreement, as you said, which was a suicide pact, which is a legally definable term. Because it sounds like something that appears in teen 
Well, it's magazine. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, Straight away, it's, it's, it's Romeo, Romeo and, Juliet. and Juliet. Yeah. Although I don't think they made a patch though, did they? They, they theirs was like a sort of like suicide oh. farce because they couldn't <laughs> quite work. Out. She, she pretended to be dead. To, didn't she to, yeah. to to escape, but she uh, hadn't told him. It's like a communication uh, between the parties. And then, and then he turns up, thinks that she's dead. It's, some, it's so one of those things. There isn't is it, you know what I mean? There is a, also somebody else put something a reasonable reason. They go to a, an apothecary, don't they? Yeah. To so basically, they've only known each other two days. And in Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, she's about thirteen. Now, <laughs> he's fifteen yeah. or sixteen. Yeah, yeah. And somebody went. This, why do we hold this up as like? True love because it's just clearly nonsense. Yeah, he's affected. Wants to elope with a child. He's still a child, and then they both kill themselves two days after. If that happened now, it'd be on some sort of council estate, and everyone would be like, "Look at the state, yeah, look broken at the state. Britain." Exactly. You know? <laughs> I think, but it, yeah, anyway, it's kind of thirteen-year-old girl you'd expect to do that over Harry Styles. <laughs> you go, it's not like true love. It's just like a silly crush, isn't it? Anyway, so we. So, yes, so the suicide pact is a legally defined... Yeah, and, we'll, and I'll come to talk about that because it comes up, that's what Section 4 of the um, Homicide Act is. So, so to, also, before you do that, you've said many times there is no... Um, so it's, murder is, a, is defined by common law, isn't it? It's grown up over the years, there's no legislation, but there is the Homicide Act. Which, we, which sort of tidies up things around the edge of it, yes. if that makes sense. Um, and and this and, and this is a good example of how that how that works because it's really unlikely that this exact thing would have happened in the past and been tried. Yeah. Um, so the Commonwealth wouldn't have built up around it. Yeah, exactly. The, I mean, there might have been the odd instance, but you'd expect the person committing the offence to then be dead, to be found dead with yeah. a suicide pact. In yeah, the yeah, exactly. So where we're up to, yeah. Um, so they made it. So they made this um, agreement, though, that that um, that when the time came for her and she couldn't bear to suffer anymore, that he would kill her and then he would kill himself. Yeah. That was so, which is basically what you said before. Um, and that came time came on the twenty third of March, twenty twenty one. She was deteriorating by the day, and um, he couldn't. He could do nothing more to alleviate her suffering, and then she told him that she wanted to die. Yeah. So. So the so they arranged their affairs, you know, or rather he arranged all their affairs, which you know must like this for him must have been horrific. Really hard, you know. Um, and they planned to carry out the pact on the twenty third of March. Not least because he wouldn't know where anything is. You'd be like, be where's like the bulk? Where's yeah. the pills? Yeah, where's yeah. the and this? Like, where's oh, the this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she can't. God say, you idiot. <laughs> That's exactly what it would be like. <laughs> I mean, it is. It is tragic it's awful but it's kind of very human isn't it and it's kind of yeah i, I don't think it's difficult to sort of place yourself in the positions no. of these people to be honest with you which is probably why it resonates quite a lot you know i've seen quite a few people commenting on it and, yeah you know, yeah and because you can just you can totally understand especially the, at that age 70 the, odd the normal people yeah. involved in you know and someone at later on in life getting a terminal illness is something that we, we've probably all experienced at least one yeah loved one happening you know and the last couple of years, of like people have experienced illness in a way they haven't done before. So I think it's easy to put yourself in this position, yeah, and and have some empathy with the with the totally. you know, with the criminal. Like basically, this is a criminal offence that's being committed. Yeah. Is the thing, and it, and it's interesting to show that criminal activity isn't all bad. It's yeah, not it's... bad people doing bad things. A lot of it is normal people in a situation that they probably didn't envisage themselves being in at some point. 
and it's more it's, it's easier to empathize in this sort of scenario than it is with someone who you know is is fallen into down the wrong path earlier on in life you know what yeah. I mean? and, and and i think more people sort of see that as being oh they're wrong guns as opposed to yeah no, they're, no, they're just normal people that have made a couple of bad mistakes and have found themselves in this you know or bad decision bad decisions and found themselves in this this way of living later on down the line i always think it's really similar as well vigilante style crime where say somebody's done something to one of your family members and you go out and commit a crime against them i think morally a lot of people in the public are like deserve it eye for an eye so it's that same yes a crime has been committed but in that case it's not it's not even close to this is it as to be no, justifiable no. excusable i don't think there's anyone in the country who'd be going well, what Graham needs is, you know, a, a good tail of de- porridge, yeah. and that'll, that'll really sort him out. Possibly waste trust. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, God. yeah, yeah. Swallow Braverman or something like that might <laughs> yes. think that that's what he needs. Pretty. Pretty Patel deporting him. Hmm, Mansfield. Oh, God. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so so the, so the, the create this agreement, the, you know, the time has come, basically, yeah. for them to carry out this act. Which must be awful. Yeah, yeah, and, and he's, so he's prepared... For it all, and these are all relevant factors. There's a you know there's a great deal of premeditation involved in this, you know, yeah. and, and and preparation, um, and they choose to do it at the bottom of the garden, out of sight from the neighbours. So you know they're genuinely like thinking yeah. about everyone else, and the method that they choose is to use a knife to cut her throat. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Right. I assumed it was pills. My that was right. omitted. No, that was not said on the no, radio. No, no, no. So, but this has been published in the in the, right. in the press. So these these are the judges. Wow. Sentencing remarks. So oh my god, listen, that's different. Yeah, yeah. So and which the judge says, whilst that appears at first to be a violent way, yeah, you had discounted others because they were less certain and might have taken too long. You both wanted it to be quick and you thought simple. Right. So they wanted to do the quickest yeah way of doing. It. So the thing that he's got to do this. Because the chemotherapy drugs might have counteracted, let's say, a massive overdose without yeah, yeah, yeah. and she might have been sick anyway. And yeah, yeah. She it's, it's less so. Yeah, yeah. This is sort of a straight away. Wow. So while it gets quite gruesome here, ready. So while sitting in a garden chair next to one of you, a sharp blade was used whilst you stood behind her. So you oh stood behind her. In your I'm quoting directly from the judge here. In your evidence, who's obviously talking to him and why he's explaining his sentencing, in your evidence, which I accept, you said that every sinew of your being did not want to kill no. your wife. Oh my God. It was what she had asked you to do. Yeah. It was an act of love, of compassion to end her suffering. You killed your wife and then tried to kill yourself. And to do this, you cut your own throat, your <sighs> wrists, and took an overdose. Oh my God. But you failed to kill yourself. So he... When the police discovered him after the following morning, when he he was bleeding whilst on the kitchen floor, and apparently when the police got there, he repeatedly said that he wanted to die. Yeah. So basically, he'd he'd sort of come round, and then phoned the police himself, as you as you said before. So that was wow. all true. Yeah, they did not say any of this on the radio. Well, that's so shocking. Yeah. An awful way because we you were saying only a minute ago, I think we can all put ourselves in the place of Graham. Mm. And Diane, and now he's like, I don't think I could. I don't think I could do that. No, no, no. But I think we did can he have army out. training or something like that? Or I, 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 I don't know. To be honest with you, um, it, it's the seventy-one. Yeah. He wouldn't have been in any war unless he was in like the Falklands or something. Even if he was in the army, it's not like he 
maybe, maybe he did because that might make sense if he, you know, it's something that's so alien to anyone I d- else. I don't do. think you could do it. I, d- I couldn't yeah, do that yeah, yeah. to like yeah. a dog. Yeah. Or a no, no, exactly. I, be, so some so, people could. I I couldn't. So so uh, yeah. So that that's what he did, and he survived. And the judges accepted that, like all of you know, the evidence has been there. Um, it's clearly pointed to him not having. You know, this isn't some ruse he's done afterwards. He's not no. killed her, and then in panic tried to kill himself, and then he's come around and thought, right, I'll, I'll try and pretend it's all some suicide pact. It, it's been accepted um, that that it, that's exactly as yeah. it, you know. That's and he confessed. Happened. He phoned the police, and he said, "This is exactly." He phoned what's the police. Happened. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting. Like one of the like I, I read that outside of court yesterday, he basically he thanked the police. Yeah, now, like, and you'd never hear someone who's been convicted no. of, of a serious offence saying thanks for the police for prosecuting me and investigating this and, and bringing this to the CPS and so on. So Again, you know, they didn't put that in. The only clip they said it was really moving. Um, so the only thing they said, in, and, and what about, um, what's his second name, Mansfield? Yeah. And what did Mr. Mans- what's Mr. Mansfield going to do now? What's he planned to do now? And he said something like grieve or I'll be grieving or something. That was all he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's definitely like no... You know, there's, you know, he's the vic- he's a victim here as well, yeah. basically. So, so, so that's what. So that's there. The facts as to what happened. He was then. He was then, uh, obviously arrested. See, as we said, he phoned the police himself. The police came round, found him in love. Found probably scenes that were quite shocking for the police to find oh, as God, well. Yeah. You know, um, and then and he was arrested and and correctly. You know, like the the correct process. And this is the thing where. There will be calls to reform the law in this area because it, it ties into the whole sort of assisted suicide mm. um, type scenario and how that is you know un, un, you know illegal at the current time is that he had to be you know prosecuted for for murder basically um, and put forward a defence under section four of the homicide act so he was tried he was tried for murder and then section four is deals with suicide pacts so this is what it says it shall be manslaughter and shall not be murder. For a person acting in pursuance of a suicide pact between him and another to kill the other or be a party to the other being killed by a third person. Mm. So, um, where it is shown that a person charged with murder of another killed the other, um, <clears throat> it shall be a defence, it, it shall be for the defence to prove that the person charged was acting in pursuance of a suicide pact between him and the other. So, it puts the burden of the defence. So, so, the correct procedure is to be tried for murder. And then you put forward this defence that you then have to evidence. Yeah. Which I can see why you would do it that way to a degree. So that, um, you know, these are very serious situations and they're probably quite exceptional, the cases in which this would occur. Um, and it goes on to say, for the purpose of this section, suicide pact means a common agreement between two or more persons having for its object the death of all of them, whether or not each is to take his own life. But nothing done by a person who enters into a suicide pact shall be treated as done by him in pursuance of the pact, unless it is done while he has the settled intention of dying in pursuance of that pact. Mm. So he doesn't have to die, he doesn't have to succeed in the suicide attempt. And, in, and indeed, he may well have killed her and then not been able to try to kill himself. But as long as he could show that he, his intention whilst killing yeah. her had been to ultimately take his own life then that would still be sufficient. Now, evidentially, it might be more difficult to prove that if you've, if there's no evidence of you even yeah, trying you, Well, to if it's it. been so horrific in that, it must have been so gruesome to then go, I can't even do this to myself. I'll just yeah, call yeah. the police now. That's, yeah. It's yeah. interesting with, I don't think we've quite done, 
Well, um, Wilmington was the first case we did. That's our very first episode. If you're a first-time listener, maybe go back because we deal with crime in basically the logical order, don't we? And Wilmington's the start of it with the golden thread of British justice, innocent until proven guilty. And the burden of proof is most often um, for the prosecution to prove guilt. You don't, you don't have to prove your own innocence. You're presumed to be innocent. Whereas this seems like a burden of proof shift. Yeah. Um, for the... Yeah, for the defence to say, look, it is. It's, it, section 4 is a total burden of proof shift, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it, it, well it, yeah, so, so basically, well, it, it's like it's, with most defences, it's for you to prove it. So what, so what happens is that oh, you put forward a defence, so it's, a, it's like a, with manslaughter, it's, it's where you've basically got the, the mens rea and the axis race for murder, but there is a partial, one of the defences applies to it. And section four creates that partial defence. So it puts the burden on you to prove evidentially that defence. So so the, the burden of proving the 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 sort of like the overall burden of proving the offence still rests with the prosecution. Yeah, which they but, can't do. So, but if yeah. you if you assert a defence, it's for you to prove that. It's not for the prosecution yeah. to disprove it if that makes sense. That totally So does. if you're saying I'd totally forgotten that, of course it does. Yeah. yeah. So if you're saying I, I I was in a suicide pact, well prove it then. Yeah. And so and so what you look at is you look at you know, words and, and evidence, you know, and actions before, at the time of, and subsequent to the offence. And what you've got here is clear evidence of someone having put into, you know, I think they left, they left a note for loved ones and so on to explain what they'd done. And mm. that was all there. Um, he'd clearly tried to put their affairs in order, so there was evidence of that. Um, you know, the fact that there was chairs at the bottom of the garden. You know, like the, the scene is all there, that actually this has clearly been... Um, you know, there has been some sort of degree of planning here. Now, yeah. I say interestingly, planning, pre-planning, is usually an aggravating factor. Right. Yeah. You know, in in a murder, um, and and this is you know, and yet here it's necessary to prove the defence, which yeah, is quite that's an interesting, really interesting, isn't it? Interesting thing. So it's there. You've then got the fact that he attempted his to take his own life. He's got the injuries to show that, and then when the police find him there, he's distraught by the fact he's not been able to take his own life. At one point, he says something like. You know, I can't even kill myself. You know, like he, he, was, yeah. he was, he was, he felt bad about that fact. So all of that, I think, is, is very clear evidence that, you know, this was an actual genuine suicide pact and therefore the defence should, should apply. Um, indeed, that was, that was found by the court. Like, it was, it was, if you consider the complexity of the case, it was only a four-day trial, which is quite a short trial. And I think the, the jury wrote for 90 minutes to make the decision. Yeah. So... I think the evidence must have been overwhelming. I assume the directions to the jury were to that extent as well. Because um, this was a case, apparently, in which um, prosecution counsel were, in effect, arguing leniency to a degree. You know, like, to, to point out, well, this is what's happened. Because what they didn't want um, was this chap to be sent to prison for a period of time. Because ultimately, he's, he's already a victim yeah. of, of this as well. You know, so um, it's a really interesting case. And the judge goes on to talk about um, in the sentencing exercise, it's a good um, example of how this works. So, so in the second part of his sentencing remarks, he says, I must now assess your culpability. So, so he sets out the facts as to what's happened, shows why it's manslaughter and not murder, um, in it, and, then, and then goes on to assess his culpability. 
Susanna, said, I bear in mind the many factors that would ordinarily indicate a higher culpability do not apply in the case of killing as part of the suicide pact, as we mentioned before. So the planning, premeditation, the intention to kill are to be expected. The use of a knife was to affect the agreed killing more quickly rather than to indicate higher culpability. Because ordinarily, use of a bladed weapon yeah, yeah. would be a higher culpable killing as opposed to a murder that had taken place using bare hands, for example. Yeah. You know. Um, and he says, while you were not suffering from any mental disorder or learning disability, you were under immense emotional pressure to relieve your wife of her suffering at her request. He says, I'm entirely satisfied that you acted out of love for your wife and that you agreed what she asked you to do only because she could not do it herself and you intended to kill yourself. So all of that there. And he says, and your failure caused to do so caused you substantial grief, which lives with you. Um, so I'm therefore satisfied that the culpability was low. Okay. So that and so when they're looking at sentencing, you look at the culpability of, of a person, and it, and it can be high, medium, and you know, and high to low. And the higher the culpability, the higher the starting point of the sentence will be. Yeah. Um. And he said the most closely analogous is unlawful acts manslaughter. So that's where that's where it, it gets to basically. Um, he says the the fact that um, ordinarily the use of a wife doesn't use of a knife, no pun intended. Um, it does not indicate high culpability. It does remain an aggravating factor of seriousness. Um, and the mitigating factors include your positive good character, reflected in the many good statement and many statements produced in evidence, your age, now 73. Mm -hmm. um, you reported the offence to the police and cooperated in the investigation and that you inflicted significant injury to yourself. Said so in the, in the result, the aggravating and mitigating factors are in balance and I remain at the sentence of two years which is a, you know, is, is, is a low sentence for having taken someone's life. Mm. Um, and then um, he says, in deciding whether or not the, the sentence should be suspended, he decides that he doesn't need a pre-sentence report. So what would often happen in a case like this, you would expect there to be a pre-sentence report. Which yeah, what mean, is that exactly? Because that's said all the time on the news. Yeah, so, so basically probation will carry out a, re a report. So they'll look into someone's background, um, their circumstances. Um, it may involve psychological assessment, all of those things, and and the and the court can ask for a pre-sentencing report, and give an indication as to what they're thinking. I, I want to find out whether this person's suitable for unpaid work, for example, mm. or something like that at the lower end, or they might ask for basically an all options report, which is what you would ordinarily have in something like this, where you can say, look, this is what you know. I don't want to leave anything off the table. Tell me about this person's background and their circumstances, so that I can sentence them correctly, because ultimately sentencing should be about you know it's got to be about punishment it's also got to be about rehabilitation and, and it shouldn't you know be counterproductive so you need to consider a lot more so you, what you don't do is you don't just look at these are the facts of the case this is what the offense is therefore you're being sent to prison for this period of time you look at everything and try and create a sentence that correctly reflects the not only the seriousness of the offense but also going forward how is this going to help this person to not commit further offenses you know so that that's the idea of it. So that's what a pre-sentencing report is, it, it, and it, it's it can take it can take an hour potentially. It can just be an oral thing in the magistrates' court um, where they'll go and interview someone and then come back in the afternoon to sentence them there and then, or it can take a number of weeks or even months to do, depending on how serious it, the situation is and how complicated a person's life is. You know, so and obviously if it, if it gets to the point where you need psychological assessments, then that's going to make things yeah take a bit longer. But in this case, the judge dispensed with the need of a pre-sentencing report um, and, and basically suspended the, the sentence. So you get a two-year imprisonment, which is suspended for two years. 
So what that means is that if he commits any offence in the next two years, that may trigger this two-year suspended sentence as well as whatever else yeah. he would get um, there. So, yeah, so, so, so that, that was the case. Um, I think it's a good example of how the defences work and how partial defences to, to murder make things manslaughter. Now, manslaughter is, is a lesser offence than murder. It's got a lesser degree of culpability. Um, because one of these defences, and we will talk about these in more detail um, later on, um, and and of how sentencing works, and how actually the courts in you know in this case, you know they, they've they've considered everything and, and come out with a sentence that probably reflects the position quite adequately, except for the fact that you know the, the discussion that needs to be had going forward from this is like should this man have been convicted at all given the circumstances yeah. to what's happened. Now, under English law, he would have to be because there was nothing else available to them. But again, it's yet further evidence of, in this day and age, where, you know, what, should we have made a 17-year-old man have to slit his wife's throat no. in the garden? Or should there be some sort of, you know, because we, we often talk about sort of the dignity of, and the sanctity of life and so on. And in these circumstances, why would they force this woman to suffer longer than, yeah. than was necessary? Um, and she couldn't; she wasn't capable of taking her own life when she clearly wanted to. Yeah. Now that surely, in a more um, civil, you know, in a, in, a, in a nominally civil society, that there should, you know, there should be adequate safeguarding in place to allow people to to have done what they've done, but in a much more dignified way. Is what I would yeah. say. It's called Dignitas, isn't it? I think the Swiss... Mm. Yeah, yeah. You can yeah. go to that Swiss model. Yeah. And presumably they didn't have the money. She might have been too ill to travel. But it's, it's still unlawful to do that, though, as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? So for him to assist her to go there would be him breaking the law because he would be, you know, he would be sort of effectively facilitating mm. and he would still be assisting someone in committing suicide, which is an offence. Personally, I don't think it should be. I think... I understand the safeguarding concerns about maybe some people will be talked into a bit more, but... Again, for the number of people there are vanishingly small, I would say, compared to the people that are caught in having to suffer for longer than is necessary. You mm. know what I mean? So I, I, just, I just find it, it's an interesting area, and I understand why it's not easy to resolve and why it's politically difficult to make these changes. But ultimately, changes have to be made and difficult decisions have to be taken, and it shouldn't be left to individuals to have to make that difficult decision themselves. No. 